Let's put the rad in radical. If you're looking to expand your life, then you've come to the right place. We're Amanda, Ali, and Reina, and each week we're setting the scene to level up our everyday lives in all areas. Mindset, lifestyle, community, and more. And we want you to come with. Welcome everyone. We are recording episode five of Let's Put the Rad in Radical. We are just so jazzed today, everybody. We have an incredibly special guest, the amazing Erin Trelore, um, or better known as Raw Beauty Talks, if you follow her on Instagram, which is a big chance that you already do. We know that we love following her. We found ourselves inspired by her. Um, literally with every post. Um, if you, Just a little bit about Erin. She's a mom, a wife, a certified health coach, um, the owner and CEO of Raw Beauty Company. And you are from Vancouver, right? Are you still living in Vancouver right now? I'm from Vancouver. Born and raised in Vancouver. We went up to Whistler for a year and a half and we just moved back. So, but I'm, I mean, I'm, yes, I'm a Vancouver girl all the way. Uh, the Whistler life. How did you leave? Oh my gosh. I, I love that. Up there. It I was went on vacation once and didn't want to leave. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> it was amazing. But you know what? All of our friends and family and our community are down here. And at the end of the day, when we like made our two lists of what we value most, that was at the top of the list. And so, um, we had this, we had this, two-year window kind of where I'd left my nine-to-five job and was pursuing things with Ra and my husband was working from home and our little guy hadn't started school yet. So we were like, we've got this pocket right now where we can kind of do anything as a family. Um, and so we decided to go up there for the year and we ended up, we, we did move back to Vancouver in January and then coronavirus hit and we're like, oh no, we're going back to Whistler. And now we're back here and I am not moving again for like a century. I will, I refuse. As you can see right now, if you're watching this on video, I'm in an empty room and my bedroom is empty and our living room is empty and our family room is empty and we're eating off of like paper plates right now, which is totally fine, whatever, but not great for the environment. 2020. I mean, I'm craving some stability. I don't know about anybody else. We just moved also in August and, and we just moved like two miles, not several miles like you did. And I'm already, I'm just still like settling and trying to get my life back in order. But yes, it yeah. takes time. Well, takes thank time. you for that. So I want you to kind of just, if you don't mind, just kind of share with our listeners, just in depth a little bit more about who you are. Um, everything about you, what are you, you know, tell us everything about what made you want to start such just a powerful movement for women. Oh, well, thank you first and foremost for having me today and for like taking time out of your day to create space for me to share my story and to do this work. Putting on a podcast is no easy feat and also coordinating four human beings, potentially five, takes a lot of, a lot of effort. So thank you for, for creating that. Um, my story is getting longer every year. <laughs> <laughs> as is every human being. Um, but no, I think, you know, the meat of my, my story begin, began in high school and like so many girls, I got caught up in this um, sort of dialogue that media sells us about what a woman should be and what we should look like. And um, I have, you know, perfectionist tendencies. And so 
I um, would go to my dance classes and would look in the mirror and would find all the things about my body that weren't quite right, according to society's definition of what a woman should look like. And I started to then follow the suggestions that would be on the covers of magazines at the time. Now so many girls are faced with Instagram posts and social media and all of these messages. But for me at the time, it was like the cover of YM and 17 magazine, Women's Health. And I started following little tips like cutting out, cutting out fat and uh, counting your uh, counting your calories, and I would study what the models ate. And what really began quite innocently, in a way that's very often celebrated in our society, was just focusing on being healthier, being more well. And as I did that, I lost a little bit of weight, which I honestly didn't have any weight to lose. Um, but in the as we strive you know to have a certain body type as women we can never we can never be small enough or perfect enough or flawless enough so um lost a bit of weight and and what began as just wanting to look a little bit different started to become an obsession um developed into a raging eating disorder and um i ended up very anorexic i think i was uh at my lowest weight I mean, I'm 5'11", I was like 89 pounds. So I was really, really sick and had lost my period, was like unable to think properly, um, was told I would never be able to have kids and landed in an incredible hospital program, inpatient program at BC Women's and Children's um, Health and spent three months there sort of being refed and, and getting my vitals up to a place where I could function um, and left the hospital in a much better place, but still, you know, throughout my early twenties struggled with food and with my relationship with my body. I never dipped to a really low space in regards to my weight, but I struggled with binge eating. I struggled with anxiety. Uh, and let me tell you, if you knew me in my twenties, you wouldn't have really known any of that. Because on the outside, I was working at Cactus Club, I was bubbly, I was, you know, like not overweight, not underweight, I had friends and a social life, but beneath the surface, now knowing how a human being can feel, I was not in a good place. And I think that there are so many women who are in this place right now where they're not going to be hospitalized because of their relationship with food. They're not uh, even seeking therapy. They don't even really know that their relationship with food and their body and themselves ultimately is non-functional. And that's just sort of how we exist. When you know, if I were to ask you, do you feel guilty after eating food? Do you feel like you have to control and restrict your intake of food? Do you feel like sometimes you overeat when you're not really hungry at all? Do you feel like every Monday you start fresh and you're like, I'm eating clean this week and I'm going to exercise six days this week and I'm going to do my meditation. And by Wednesday, you're like opening the bottle of wine and deep into the bag of chips and like, you're like oh, F it. I'll start again next week. Right. We, we live in this culture where all of that is sort of the norm and celebrated. And when we think about what that does to women and the cap that that puts on our potential as human beings, it's like, no wonder we're not getting paid as much. No wonder there aren't as many women in the C-suite. No wonder we haven't had a female president. And like, 
it is just this insane trap that we're in as women where we're sold this lie as to what we need to look like in order to be loved and valued. And it distracts us from really tapping into the things that make us happy, from really tapping into our talents and who we can be and how we can show up in the world. And it's numbing us out and I'm so over it. And that's my whole business is all about helping women to cut through this bullshit lie that we've been told so that we can really find what makes us happy and really start to live our lives fully. And so that we can make this world a better place because there's a lot of shit happening right now that's scary. And that's causing pain and that's hurting people. And I don't want that for my kids. So, you know, going back to that place where I was before, <laughs> I made it through. I learned a lot of tools. I did the therapy. I did the work. I did health coaching. I learned to meditate. I deconstructed my beliefs about myself and built up new, more empowering ones and had conversations with hundreds of women along the way, which was very healing for me. Um, spoiler alert, I was able to have kids <laughs> and they're, you know, my greatest joy in life. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old now, and my life just looks so different, so different from where it was in my early twenties and as a teenager. And Standing here now, I just want every woman to have the tools to be able to feel this way versus living in that other space. Like this is mic drop after boom, after hell yes, preach it sister. Like I'm standing here and I'm just like, keep it going, Aaron. I'm, I am hooking my, my horse to your cart. And I'm, I'm riding with you, sister. Like, you don't it. want it to stop. I'm like, oh. keep going. Well, it's well, funny I, if people were to see us, all of us are like, whoa, with everything she just said. <laughs> but it's because you already know it. You know, that's the truth. And it's just that we, that's what we all want. And that's what we're all working towards. And that's why you have this podcast is because you feel, you feel other women and you know how powerful we are and how powerful men are when we're standing in our power too, right? Isn't it it's, funny how we all know it, but there's still something that stops us from just living it. Yes. It's my that something is our innate deep need to belong, our innate deep need to be loved. And, and that like hardwired belief and need within us at the end of the day uh, creates a lot of fear around showing up differently. So when we live in a world where you pick up your phone and 20, 30, 50 times a day, you see this stream of women who look a certain way, who are being celebrated, who are getting the most likes, who are perceived to be like the most loved and the most famous and the most successful. And in order to believe that we belong to that, we feel we have to fit into that mold. And so... It's so hard. And just even like you picking up your phone and drawing attention, we talk about this at length. Yeah. What do you do to create boundaries around that social media and, and letting it kind of use it as something that can be a powerful, good tool for goodness, but also keeping a very solid boundary. I think women struggle with this and men probably too, but what are your boundaries around social media? It's been a journey. I'm not going to lie. I've had moments where I get caught up in the whole growing your followers. And why didn't this post get as much engagement as the other post? I would be lying if I said that that didn't happen to me. But 
I watched an incredible documentary on Netflix a couple nights ago called The Social Dilemma. Shocking, disturbing, scary, but it made me feel a little bit less like, God, you're so pathetic that you're like, that you get caught up in that kind of thing. It made you realize that it wasn't your fault. Exactly. It's like, it's designed to do that. And it's, and I, I am similar to most women, um, influenced by that kind of thing. I can get caught up in that kind of thing. So, I mean, before watching that movie, I had already removed all notifications from my social apps. I had gotten very clear about what Instagram is to me, what my purpose is on Instagram. I haven't posted on my personal Instagram account since I think it was like Easter a year and a half ago. I was finding it really hard to balance. What am I posting on personal versus on raw? I feel like I'm thinking about this all the time now. I'm, it's starting to like influence everything that I do. So when that started to happen, I knew I needed a detox, a break. I needed to like go back to the drawing board. So I did a detox and I never went back to my personal account. Now my purpose with raw is very clear. I know what I'm doing there. I know how I want to show up. I know that I want to show up to support other women and feeling their absolute best in their unique body. And so my posts and anything that I share is aligned with that. About once a week, I will open the doors to something that's happening in my family's world. But for the most of the part time, like I'm not filming my kids doing, you know, every single little thing. I'm not filming us going through our renovations right now because that doesn't have anything to do with you feeling better in your body. Um, And so I can just take everything and sort of pass it through a filter. How is this going to impact people? Now, sometimes I might let somebody into our life a little bit and show a little bit um, so that to help like create that connection and to foster that connection with people. But I'm not, I'm not in it to document every single part of our life. I'll show you what I have for breakfast because that falls in line with feeling well and sort of talking about, you know, how I choose what I'm eating and, and how I navigate all of that now. So it goes through those filters. Notifications are off. Getting very clear on your why, your social media why. Why the hell are you doing this? What's the point? And, um, and then giving yourself a good old detox. If you're feeling confused or like you don't know the answers, get it off, get off of it for one week. What are you going to miss? What are you going to miss? Who cares if Jerry's cat fell in the pool and started swimming? I mean, really? That's a really powerful way to express the feeling of this because all of us have talked about this at length. All of our listeners have expressed the same challenges with boundaries with social media and so for you to use that platform more purposefully to be clear on the way you're trying to help other women feel in their unique experience in their unique body that helps to clarify why you even show up there in the first place and i absolutely agree and can attest that i've done the same thing a few years ago maybe it's three years ago of no notifications and i mean none there are no red dots to be found on this device here because it, I mean, right? Like it gets in your, it gets into your internal, very sacred space of your, your mind. It, it, it can manifest physically. It's such a real thing. And I'm really glad you mentioned that documentary as well, because we have been talking about that. And so I would love to ask a little bit about the purpose because you talked about your why. So you ended up creating 
raw beauty talks like that ended up being i mean it's even your hashtag my my hashtag my raw beauty right and so mm -hmm. you've truly created a movement as we mentioned and so can you talk to us a little bit about how coaching began and, and naming your company this and um maybe a bit about the work that you do just so that our listeners can get a real feel of how you put this belief this super rock solid why into motion into practice and quite frankly into people's homes and even devices because mm -hmm. we'd love to hear about that Absolutely. Well, first of all, I didn't know my why when I started Raw Beauty Talks. I went to school and did uh, and did a diploma in marketing management entrepreneurship, where we learned how to make a business plan, how to put together all of your financials, how to have a business that looks like it was going to be successful. I grew up with entrepreneurial parents. I have done everything with Raw Beauty Talks in the opposite way that you should start a business. <laughs> It's like, I went backwards. Everything that I learned in school did not apply really. So I started raw as a passion project when I was about 26. And at the time I was, you know, looking at media and I just felt like I wanted to create a space online where there would be beautiful images of women that weren't wearing makeup, didn't have editing, that weren't filtered, and that would be paired with really real, raw, honest conversation. Like not the PR kind of conversation that you got in Us Weekly, and definitely not the like either or before and after pictures that you saw in those types of magazines where it was like either the most horrendous angle that you could get of the person or their most beautiful glam shot. You know how they would always post the before and after? And I'm like, there's a middle ground. I see it all the time with the women that I love where it's like, we're not perfect, but there's so much beauty in that imperfection. So I wanted to capture that. So we ended up interviewing over 200 women, um, primarily out of Vancouver, but also like as far as Africa. And I went to New York and LA and uh, Texas and, and did these interviews and photo shoots and had all these conversations. It went a bit viral at the time because other than Dove, nobody was really doing this yet. Whereas now it's like, I think feel like everyone and their dog has a, a version of it, which is amazing. Shows how far we've come. And uh, I had the chance to work with incredible companies, Lululemon, Kit and Ace, Lush, Beyond Yoga. After two years though, I hit a wall. I was like, I cannot have another conversation with an incredible woman who has her own unique talents and gifts, but just doesn't fully recognize it or who has such a, an interesting, we'll say relationship with food and exercise. And I can see how that's holding her back without having some tools to support her, without having some tools to help move this conversation beyond just a conversation. So I went back um, and I looked at a variety of different options. Do I become a therapist? That just didn't feel quite right. Do I, at the time had a Pilates studio, do I do my Pilates certification and talk to women as I'm teaching them how to move their body? Didn't quite feel right. And finally I found um, a, a link about health coaching and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Something about this is really intriguing to me. And so I ended up doing my health coaching certification through Health Coach Institute. It took about a year to get it. Um, I felt like the program was incredible and so aligned with a lot of the tools that I'd already learned as an individual. And I 
paired up with a psychologist, Dr. Hillary McBride, who works specifically in body image, and a dietitian, Ali Eberhardt, who works all over BC um, in various programs for eating disorders, and created a program called the Raw Beauty Reset. It's a 12-week program designed to help women transform their relationship with food and their body to really get to a place where they're able to eat intuitively, move their body in ways that feel good versus just like workouts have to be one hour and I've got to break a sweat and I have to be at the gym. Um, we learn mindfulness and uh, really, I think the most important part is the work that we do on your mindset is shifting from that place of self-criticism into a space of, of self-love and really believing in yourself. Because when you're able to shift your mindset, when you're able to understand where your beliefs came from and how you've been, you know, essentially watering these seeds of beliefs, it will change your life. You become truly unstoppable. So the four pillars, nourishment, movement, uh, mindset, and self-care are what we focus on in the reset. Oh my gosh. I, as a mother, you and I have kids the same age of five and a three-year-old. Um, and I struggle with this. Like I'm actually mm -hmm. a bit emotional just hearing you talk, Erin. Yeah. Um, I have struggled with body image, with uh, binge eating with feeling like I'm just not good enough. Yeah. Uh, and so just to hear that there are women out there that are paving the way with tips and tools and tricks and your four pillars, I was like, I can tell you for the three of us, those are what we eat, breathe and sleep. Mm. Every day we are really trying, Aaron, we are trying to spread that message and so I am so behind this. And I love because one of the things you also offer is a course called The Shift. And yes. And so The Shift is the reset. We just oh, went through a rebrand. Okay. We just went through a rebrand. But you're right. It was called The Shift literally like two weeks ago. Yeah, now The Reset. I, for me, The Shift, that name, and also Reset, yeah. those really radiate with me because it is a shift. It's a shift in who we think we should be, who we need to be. Um, and also the word raw, you got to get raw. You got to yeah. get real with yourself to actually own these things. So yeah. it's kind of a selfish question. Where does someone start? That I'm so glad that you asked. And first of all, I want you to know you really, it, it can feel so lonely when you're in that space. Like, why am I the only one who is questioning everything that I do or who gets off of a phone call and is like, why did I say that? Or like, you know, who leaves the Zoom call and is like, oh my God, embarrassing. I got emotional. It's like, no, literally we all do that. Nobody talks about it. And one of the amazing parts about the reset is that it's a group program. So you, it's a bunch of like-minded women and you very quickly understand that you're not the only one who's feeling this way or thinking this way or who's struggling with food. And uh, it's a very human experience in this society and culture that we are living in. So there's nothing wrong with you at all. There's something wrong with the system and wrong with the culture. And you know, you opening up and sharing that and women being more vulnerable and talking about this stuff is what's gonna light the path that, yeah, this isn't working anymore and work over it. Let's create some change. So 
a couple of ways uh, to kind of start this whole journey, which is also obviously very layered. We start the reset really diving into the nutrition piece because often that's like the sounding alarm or signal that something isn't working. And it's an area where women can feel really uncomfortable. Like, why do I keep creating these rules for myself and I can't stick with it? Am I not disciplined enough? Am I like not, am I failing at something? Why can't I just be more like that girl who's seems to eat vegan and only eat like the perfect clean, like 50 ingredient meal and her food's all prepared perfectly for her kids, blah, 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 blah. Right. So we really start off by learning how to eat intuitively and intuitive eating is all about tuning back into your body's innate signals. When you were born as a baby, you knew when you were hungry and you knew, and you would cry and you would get some food and then you would stop, right? You wouldn't just keep eating and eating and eating. And you wouldn't, when you got hungry, tell yourself, you just drink a coffee or fill yourself up with water or we're not eating right now. We're intermittent fasting. So just hang tight for a few hours, body. Just hang tight. We're not eating right now, right? You ate when you were hungry. Think about your kids. They're intuitive eaters. I don't know about your kids. My kids are always hungry. I'm like, where are you putting all of that? But they know when they're hungry and then they know when they're full and they know what foods they like and they know what foods they don't. But as we grow up, we start to learn all of these rules. You eat at breakfast, 8 a.m., or everyone right now feels like they're intermittent fasting. So everyone's having a coffee in the morning and everyone's starting to eat at 11. And then we all have dinner around six and we shouldn't be, <laughs> she's like, yep, yeah, that's me. And we shouldn't be um, eating late at night. So let's try and stop eating at seven. All of these rules are bullshit. And all of these rules are taking us further and further away from the innate wisdom of our body, which knows when you're hungry and when you're full. Now, disclaimer, if you are somebody who has been dieting for a long time, who's had a complicated relationship with food, sometimes those signals can no longer be working. You might be listening right now and you're like, I have no idea when I'm actually hungry or full. I only follow rules in order to determine when to eat. So in that case, there's some kind of golden rules that we go through in the program that um, Ali Eberhardt, who's the dietitian that we work with, helped set the foundation for. And we follow these golden rules to get our body back to a place where it can trust that it's going to be given fuel, that it is um, going to be fed, that it's going to be nourished, that it's going to be loved. And as we do that consistently, um, your body will, signals will start to come back into play. And they always do for most people. It happens within that 12 week period of time. And when those signals are there, it's incredible because you can start to build this connection back with your body where there's some trust there. You have to think about your relationship with your body right now. Just take everyone just, who's listening, just take a second right now. And then compare it to a relationship that you have with a life partner or a best friend, right? If you, um, you know, asked something, I'll use Scott and I, my husband, as an example. Like if I said to Scott, I'm exhausted right now and I'm feeling burnt out and I just need you to be home a little bit earlier after work so that you can help out with the kids or whatnot. And he was like, yeah, no problem, babe. Got this. Like I'll be home tomorrow. I'll get home at five and five o'clock rolls around and he's not there. And then he's like, so sorry, something came up for, at work and, I, and you know, for sure tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. And then the next day he didn't show up either, right? The trust would be broken very quickly. When you think about how you have been feeding your body over the years, does your body, have you earned your body's trust? 
right? So many of us are like angry and mad because our body's not doing what we want it to do. It's not like the size that we want it to be. And it's not, you know, it's too tired and it's too sick. And why is it getting wrinkles and all these things? But you've got to really stop and consider, are you showing up for your body? Are you fueling your body consistently? Are you moving your body in ways that make it feel good? Are you giving your body rest? Are you giving your body water? Are you taking your supplements if you need them? Like, how are you showing up for your body? Stop asking your body how it's showing up for you. Start showing up for your body and then see what happens. Well, you mentioned a few, but I'm going to ask this question anyway. What are some of the biggest roadblocks that you notice that women have or excuses that they kind of, you know, throw up in the midst of all this, as far as their journeys to self-love and kind of taking care of their bodies? I think, I mean, it's never, the excuses are always rooted in fear. So it's like, I can't eat three meals and two snacks a day. My body will gain a lot of weight. My body doesn't react well in that. I can't trust my body. Um, It's always, always rooted in fear, these roadblocks. Um, I would say that the most common roadblocks that come into mind, I categorize them as self-sabotage. So it's going back to this fear of how your life will change if you actually start to show up for yourself. So um, the first thing that comes into play is something else is always more important. Family, the kids, the husband, the job, the boss, the email, the random person who you don't know who wants to go for coffee. And it's like, yeah, that'll, that'll go ahead of the workout. Yeah. That'll go ahead of the meal prep, right? Like we are, we're ultimate at putting everything else ahead of us. At the end of the day, part of that is because at some level we aren't honoring the strength that comes from taking care of ourselves. We aren't honoring the fact that when we look after ourselves, we shine brighter, our light becomes brighter, and therefore it illuminates everyone around us more. We forget that. Instead, we think that our role is to save everybody else and that in doing that, somehow we become, you know, a better human being when really, of course, that's a component of it. I mean, of course we want to give back, but we can't leave ourselves last on the list. So something else is always more important. Um, There's definitely a component where sometimes women are afraid that if they start investing in themselves, that they will lose somebody around them. So an example of that is like, say you and your partner got into a habit where every night after dinner, you sit down and you watch TV for four hours and you like eat junk food or, or whatever, even just watching TV and that becomes the habit. If you decide, you know what, that's actually not feeling like it's serving me anymore. And I want to try reading or once a week, I'm going to go to yoga or whatever. There's a a moment there where a conversation has to happen with that person that we care about, where we say, I'm not actually going to do the thing that you're doing anymore. And it seems so ridiculous, but the fear of disconnecting from somebody that we care about or love doing something different, it goes back to that initial thing that I was saying, where it's so important for us as human beings to connect. So we will sabotage what we need in order to ensure that that relationship stays intact. Like, do you have girlfriends where you go out for wine and it would feel really hard to say, I'm not drinking right now? 
like that feels uncomfortable for some reason if if say you were going to take a break from alcohol because everyone else is doing it and so we worry that we will disconnect that we won't be the same and so instead we sabotage what we need in order to fit in with the group i'm the biggest the sabotageur if i yep. don't know the right word the sabotage yes <laughs> i'm the biggest sabotage when it comes to motherhood right like, okay tell me about it well, I was going to say, please, how are you navigating? Um, Raina is also a mom. Um, yeah. And, you know, just we are the sabotagers of putting ourselves, I don't know, 400th yeah. behind the needs of the, the, the snacks and the poopy diapers and the yeah. tantrum and the husband that needs this and the family. And I got to do that. Yeah. Like, where do women even begin? Okay. So first of all, I think this was really hard for me. And I had an experience with postpartum anxiety after my second late onset, just trying to do too many things and had a complete crash and burn episode where I couldn't even get out of bed. So sometimes we have those crash and burn traumatic moments because they're required to break us down so that we can rebuild with a new belief set, a new set of habits, whatever it is. Like we're not getting it. We're not getting the universal message that we're trying to do too much or we're not giving enough. So the universe is like, bam, you're out. And until you, until you figure this one out, like you're going to take some, you're going to take a time out in your bed and like shit's going to get real. So, <laughs> so, um, sometimes, you know, we have these monumental moments that feel so hard that really do break us apart. And, it puts us on a new trajectory. So that was sort of one of those moments for me that I would never wish upon anyone, but at the end of the day, it was what I needed. Now, when I go and, you know, do the workout in the morning and I'm like, babe, you're going to wake up with the kids and do breakfast and I'll be home in a bit. When I do have those moments, um, I look at it as being an incredible opportunity for my kids to see me, for my daughter to see me going to do my workout asking for help from my husband and sharing the role, um, taking time for myself. I mean, I want Brooklyn to grow up knowing that she is valued and worthy of taking time for herself. I want her to know um, that mommy and daddy go on date nights and that they're going to have a babysitter who puts them to bed every once in a while because mommy and daddy need time as well for themselves. And this is where we go and we build our love. This is what we talk about with our kids. I still find it hard to carve those things out, but I'm like, what do I want my kids to do? How do I want them to um, perceive like their own capabilities? Going to work right now is um, we're going through an, a, a moment where like Brooklyn does not want mommy to go to work. So my heart is so torn. It's not a, a, like true honest hour right now, girls. Like I'm not at a place where I'm making millions where it's like so obvious that it makes sense for mommy to go to work. Right. But I have a dream and I have a vision that I'm building and working on and growing. And I believe in myself, but like, it makes me emotional thinking about these choices that we're faced with as moms, where it's like, do I follow my dream or do I give that up so that I can keep my daughter comfortable at all times? Well, follow your dream. <laughs> you do. And you, and you, as moms, we like try and balance it all. Right. So I'm doing the four day a week work day and have three days with them. It's, 
It's a challenge, but I keep going back to what would I want Brooklyn to do? What do I want James to know as a woman? Who do I want James to know as a woman? Like who, and that's different for everyone. Some moms are like, I wish I could, I would do anything to just be able to stay at home with my babies and not have to work, or I've chosen this. And that's where it comes down to knowing yourself, understanding yourself and choosing in that way. As the old woman with my kids are 14 and Come 12. On. My kids are 14 and 12. And so I look at you guys and I'm like, I just want to give you hope that it does get easier. You know, I, <laughs> I started my business eight years ago and my kids are 14 and 12. And so they were younger and it wasn't, you know, they didn't have the separation anxiety or anything like that, but it was that moment where I had to be honest and say, no, this is like, this is helping you. You know, you see your toy yeah. over there. Like, this is why you have <laughs> toys because mommy works their ass off. You know what I totally. mean? Totally. So I love that you say that. Um, and yeah, I, I love everything. And I want to just, I have this quote. I had to like hurry through my notes and like look up this quote because I finished this book called Rise, Sister, Rise. And there's a quote in there that says, let the shattering occur. That allows the pieces to rearrange themselves. And I yes. just like, as soon as you said that just reminded me of that quote and I have chills even reading it back. It just, oh, that is so deep. perfectly said. Yes. Get that up on the on the show notes or somewhere. Sure. That's amazing. <laughs> and I believe it. Like everyone's been through that moment where you feel shattered and maybe you're in it right now. And it's never, <laughs> while you're in it, you're never like, oh, I'm going through the shattering. This is awesome. Things are going to realign. You're like, fuck, this sucks. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you just have to keep hope that it will. It always gets better. It always, it, there's always something around the corner. Well, we appreciate you talking with us. We know we don't have a lot of time left. Um, just for our listeners, do you mind sharing just a quick, how can they find you? What courses are you offering right now that we want to direct people to for help? Everything. Of course. my uh, I think the main place to find us is either at rawbeauty.co or on Instagram at rawbeautytalks. I love it when people... Uh, slide into my DMs, as weird as that sounds. Um, and send us, send me a little note. Let me know what resonated uh, in this episode or take a screenshot of the episode and tag at Raw Beauty Talks. Obviously, uh, we'll regram anyone's that um, resonated or record a little piece of this that hit home with you and share that as well. Um, and if anybody who's listening right now feels like they're, they're struggling or they're in a hard spot, or maybe they have kids and they're like, I just feel like it could be a little bit better. I just feel like it could up level a little bit. Um, send me a message and, and let me know how I can support. Absolutely. We always uh, kind of wrap each episode and I hope you're here to, you know, let's have a little fun too. Yes, uh, we always. Do, we do a little segment called Ready, Set, Grow. Ooh, and love it. Love it. Um, if you could come up and we, we love to challenge ourselves because we take ownership first before we ask anybody else. But a challenge for us and our listeners in this segment, if you could come up with something that would kind of help us embrace our raw beauty. So maybe some sort of guidance, a tip, a tool, um, just a challenge that we're all going to do over the next week until our next episode comes out. And then we revisit it and talk about it. So we're, we're a bit nervous. And Easy. What, Easy. Does Aaron, what does Aaron Trelore have for us? Oh, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm handing out challenges all day, every day in my work as a coach. So this is my uh, love language, I think, is challenging people. Um, I would challenge you girls and everyone who's listening right now 
to post a photo on social media, post the photo that you don't want to post. And if you don't have one in your phone, um, that's either that one that you saw of yourself in the summer in the bathing suit where you were like, oh my God, is that actually what I look like? If you don't have that photo in your phone, which I think we all have that, um, take a selfie, no makeup, no editing, no filters, and share it on your um, Instagram tag at raw beauty talks, hashtag my raw beauty. And listen, this isn't supposed to be easy. This isn't supposed to be easy. But what happens is we get into this trap on social media where we feel like all of our squares need to be perfect and everything needs to be curated and it's got to fit the vibe. And when we do that, we literally put ourselves into this teeny tiny box. So smash out of your box, do something that scares you, put that photo out, let people see all angles of you. And what will happen is that you realize that you're just going to receive love and support and no one's going to leave you and everyone's still going to be there. And literally the world doesn't change because no one gives a shit if you have mascara on or not, and nobody else cares about your pimple. And it creates a bit more expansive space and freedom. Again, it is not supposed to be easy. <laughs> so if you feel like Ugh, thinking about this, it's exactly where you need to go. And I cannot wait to see them. Well, thank you so much, Erin. I feel all of us are, um, we're emotional, we're excited. We are embracing sides of this conversation that we chat about, the three of us, but that we got to really deep dive in with you today. And I know our listeners are walking away truly forever better the way I'm, I'm sure I could speak for all of us saying that we feel the same. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody, make sure you check out Erin over at Raw Beauty Talks and hashtag my raw beauty for this super rad ready, set, grow challenge that she just shared with us today. And don't forget to follow, like, and share. Uh, let's put the rad and radical as well. You can find us with that uh, handle on Instagram um, and let us know. Let us see that ready, set, grow challenge. You just sharing that, Erin spoke to me because I can already think of so many instances where I, I let that box be where I lived instead of bursting right the hell out of it. So I can't wait to tag you and share it with you. And um, we all look forward to seeing how we grow together. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Erin, thank you so much again for your time. And we will see you all on the next Let's Put the Rad in Radical.